We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I love those J-I-N-G. Happy, happy Saturday. Looks like another day in paradise and another day for a fresh edition of the Bob Rose Rewind with your friend, Poppin' Fresh Bob Rose. Seriously, we've got some great stuff lined up for you. Yeah, uh, if you haven't ridden the bus in a while, there's a lot more to bus riding than what we think of, maybe. The American Bus Association's Peter Pantuso is going to explain that and how important the whole bus industry really is to all of us. In fact, let's get to it right now on the Bob Rose Rewind 97.3 The Sky. is the president and CEO of the American Bus Association, Peter Pantuza. Peter, good morning. How are you? Oh, good morning, Bob. Good to be with you. I'm doing great, thanks. So, so I guess, who do you represent? So we represent at the American Bus Association the private bus industry primarily. So these would be charter buses, tour buses, uh, buses that take you from one city to another point-to-point service, as we call it, and commuters. But we also represent a huge portion of the group travel industry. That would be restaurants, hotels, theaters, anybody who wants a, a group of you know 20 or more people to come and visit. Well, I can imagine that that industry, like so many others, was hit very, very hard by COVID. And I guess this is part of what you're trying to do is you're trying to, uh, well, keep you, these all these various companies afloat, even though many of them lost a lot of money. Yeah, you're right. The bus and motor coach industry specifically has, has really taken it on the chin. I think harder than almost any other industry for a couple of reasons. Uh, first of all, people stopped planning. Obviously, they didn't move at all. And then the planning process to go on a trip, especially when you're going with a group, takes a long time. So just, you know, as things start to come out of the pandemic, people just don't hop on a bus. They might hop in the car and they might go to a destination, but they just don't 
take that bus trip, if you will. So our industry still today is operating at less than 50% capacity, and we've lost half the industry in the last few years. Yeah, I, I saw where uh, you experienced $11 billion in losses, you know, across all the uh, the bus and transportation industries, and uh, the help you got from Congress was substantial. It was $2 billion, but $2 billion compared to $11 billion in losses, even I could do the math on that. You're right. And and that was just for the year 2020. You know, this year we're probably going to have another $7 billion in losses. And and to keep the rest of the industry afloat, we're up on Capitol Hill trying to get a little additional funding for the industry just to keep them alive. It's not a, not a handout. It's not a bailout. It's just a, a bridge, if you will, to get them to the other side of this crazy pandemic. So if you're not successful in getting uh, additional funding, uh, what would what would the average American, what would we experience, uh, you know, in terms of loss of transportation? Sure. People people are going to lose the option to travel in a lot of cases. And not only that, but we are the ones that move the military to and from deployments, to and from training. We're also the ones that move people out of harm's way when hurricanes are approaching. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of bus companies are hired every single year by FEMA in different states and state emergency management agencies. And if these companies go away, you know, the question is who's going to answer the call when the next hurricane comes along. So those are some of the challenges and, and overall just losing those transportation options. Well, wasn't there a huge infrastructure bill uh, just passed? I mean, certainly that would have to go a long way to helping you. Well, there was a, there was a huge infrastructure bill, over a trillion dollars. Uh, there was money for Amtrak. There was money to help the airports out. There was, you know, other other improvements in our highway system, which are, are desperately needed. But there was absolutely zero funding for the private bus industry in that, and we were we were pretty disappointed. Well, it's um, yeah, and one aspect I don't know we talked about enough really is yeah. So you have this loss of transportation, this this void we would have. You mentioned the, they transport the military and things like that, things that we don't necessarily think of day to day of what you know bus companies would would do. And uh, uh, in this particular uh, case, you also we, we didn't mention how many jobs are affected by this. You're absolutely right. So in the in the bus industry alone, we employ over 100,000 people, and there's still almost half of those employees who aren't back to work yet. And that doesn't even take into consideration the fact that, you know, we're bringing travelers and tourists and visitors and, and family to destinations all over the country. We know that over 2 million jobs are affected by group travel and the motor coach industry indirectly. So all of those are going to be affected if, if the industry goes away or, or shutters in place for a long time. Now, we've seen what's happened in the trucking industry because of lack of drivers there. Uh, some companies have offered uh, pretty impressive uh, pay opportunities, like I know Walmart was one of them, paying a extremely high salary and a bonus. Um, are you going to have some difficulty filling positions once you get you know back uh, back on track? I guess I should say back on your wheels, rubber side down. Um, are you going to have difficulty f- filling driver positions? Yeah, it's one of the, one of the biggest challenges we've got today, Bob, and, it, and it's really sad um, as this industry is struggling to come back. You know, companies tell me every day they're getting calls from customers, and they just can't they just can't fulfill the need because they don't have the drivers. So even though, you know, they're not operating at full capacity, even at half capacity, they want to be able to drive that bus. That bus isn't making any money when it's sitting in a lot, and, and they're, they're not able to do it because they don't have enough drivers. And part of the driver challenge is, you know, lack of workers, but part of the challenge also goes back to states and federal governments 
not being able to process um, commercial driver's licenses quick enough. Sometimes it takes months to go through that training process and even longer for the license to be issued. And, and that's a challenge as well for the industry. It sure is. So, I, I, you know, you've given me a copy of a letter that 40 uh, senators have signed on to. Um, Senator Marco Rubio is, is on the letter. And I guess if you could just boil it all down, um, tell us exactly what the industry that you represent, what, what exactly are you asking for from the government? Yeah, well, we're asking for two things, really. We're asking for some additional help. As you said, we got $2 billion a year ago, and that was divided among three or actually four different industries. So our bus companies only got a very small portion of that. And then secondly, uh, we're asking that money be made tax-free, as all the other grants were from Congress during the pandemic. Yeah, all the PPP you know, money was tax-exempt, yes, right? Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. PPP money, money for restaurants, money for theaters, they were all tax-exempt. So it's kind of it's kind of ironic that the government you know, has finally helped the industry a little bit, handed out a few checks here and there, but then you know, at the end of the year, when tax time is due, they want a third of it back, basically, in taxes. Well, we appreciate your time, Peter, and we, uh, we hope you're successful. We hope so, too. Thanks, Bob. Good to talk to you this morning. Run, run, That was Peter Pantuso, President and CEO of the American Bus Association on the Bob Rose Rewind. Happy Saturday. Don't go away. Coming up next, Carl Zalek, Marion County Commissioner, talking about feeding the needy toll roads and $10 Christmas trees. That's next on the Bob Rose Rewind, 97.3 The Sky. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Happy Saturday. You're tuned to the Bob Rose Rewind. Marion County Commissioner Carl Zalek joins us talking about toll roads. That's been in the news lately. And then $10 Christmas trees. That's a little bonus for you right now on the Bob Rose Rewind 97.3 The Sky. Carl Zalek, good morning, sir. Thanks for joining us. Hey, good morning, Bob. Glad to be with you, sir. Hey, uh, I don't want to get too far off track. we got a lot to cover today, but real quick, uh, Levy County residents showed up to oppose a turnpike extension. It came up during the show that one of the routes could still affect uh, residents of Marion County uh, right from the horse's mouth. Where, does it, where, where do we stand on that? What's going on? And do people in Marion County have to worry about their uh, farmland or neighborhood getting cut through by a big old road? Yeah, so the, you know, I don't know if you remember, but we talked about this last year. Yes. Actually, might have been even a year or so, more more than that ago, you know, kind of during what, what the DOT called the MCORS study. Um, Marion County opposed the road coming through, especially the farmland preservation area and those kind of things. Um, so we, we, we actually talked about this at our meeting a little bit. Um, we knew that DOT was going to have both of its workshops, the one that you were just speaking of, and... Uh, you know, of course, we, we we don't want a road cutting through our community uh, that would impact um, the horse farms, you know, in, in our way of life. Um, so we're asking, uh, I believe we're going to be putting that on the next agenda, and we're going to be asking, 
you know, DOT to look at that and say, hey, make sure you look at our wetlands, the, the farmland preservation area. Look at all these things before you think you're going to, you know, put a road through there and make sure that we're at the table to talk to you about, you know, our community as you're as you're looking at trying to figure out how to put this road in. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, transportation needs are, are real. We all get that. And look, you've got hubs there. You've got uh, places where trucks are going to need to come and go efficiently and effectively and get across the state. And uh, and tourism is so, you know, important as well. But I think at least what some of the callers said, it makes a lot of sense to me. If you took maybe existing roadways and tried to expand uh, on those and, and, you know, make those more viable, that probably would be... Uh, the area which you would get the least resistance. Yeah, and I, and I think you know, obviously the uh, the state has plans to uh, expand I seventy five where it can, and, and you know maybe change up lane usage and some different things like that. Some strategies, obviously, that could help us with uh, with truck traffic. Uh, Marion County, as you and I have talked about many times, is a logistical hub. Um, you know, for for where we're located, and there is a lot of truck traffic on those corridors. So. You know, we have to figure out how do we support, you know, Florida going into the future. And I think that's what the state is trying to do is how do we support Florida going in the future? But how do we support Florida and not destroy Florida? Right? One of the I mean, things there, that's, yeah. significant it's, balance, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> ag-, ag tourism and uh, and some of these other things that would be impacted. The quality of life in general for, for folks. All right, let's move on. Quality of life, making it better for people who have a food deficit right now. <laughs> you broke some records with the uh, the Harvest Home event. Tell us about it. Yeah, so this year it was, you know, incredible. Uh, you know, amazing that people are giving the way they are. So we're so thankful for our community. Uh, last year we received approximately 17,000 pounds of food donated and this year, we had over 20,000 pounds of food donated for the Bring the Harvest Home um, drive. Additionally, this year's uh, the large monetary donation, uh, Stan and Martha Hansen generously donated $160,000 uh, to the different food pantries, Brothers Keepers, Interfaith uh, Services, and Salvation Army. So, I mean, thank you, guys. Thank you, Stan and Martha. Um, our community is incredible, and uh, that kind of charity and, and looking out for people over the holidays you know, you just you just can't beat that kind of That's generosity. Outstanding, incredible, and uh, yeah, we love it. We love these great stories around the holidays, and you've got more holiday events coming up in Marion County. Big, yeah, big one kicking off Saturday, right? Yeah, of course, the Ocala Christmas Parade kicks off at five thirty this year. Um, this year's theme, of course, is a hero's Christmas. Uh, the Grand Marshal will be Ben Marciano, um, and of course, as most people know, the parade starts on Twenty Fifth Avenue and goes down Silver Spring. Um, you know, and so don't forget to bring the family out. We've got incredible opportunities for you to get down on the street and, and just enjoy what is a wonderful, wonderful time uh, of, of community and seeing the parade and, of course, following up by Santa Claus at the end. So it's a lot of fun. Great partnership that uh, you formed a long time ago, uh, even before anything was built. But the World Equestrian Center, they're hosting a winter wonderland that people can enjoy. Yeah, isn't that interesting? The, the WEC is already in the... In the Christmas game, which is phenomenal, we've got over a million lights and uh, uh, has a 40-foot-tall Christmas tree and the giant po- polar bear. Uh, the nightly entertainment from 5 to 8 includes uh, carolers, jump roping, toy soldiers, acrobatic elves, um, silt walkers. You know, we've got it all. And uh, you can also get a photo with Santa from 5 to 9 uh, for only 10 bucks. And don't forget the... Uh, Synthetic Ice Rink is open for skating daily from 12 to 8 p.m. 
and until nine on Friday and Saturday, except for Christmas Day. So come out to the World Equestrian Center and have a have yourself a merry merry Christmas. I know they're doing the uh, play. It's a Wonderful <laughs> Life is going to be at the Ocala Civic Theater on Sunday, December nineteenth. Uh, I invite everybody to go. I won't be there because I don't want to cry in public. <laughs> well, thank you, Bob. We we appreciate that. Yeah, that should be a good time, though. And uh, it will be. And uh, if you're cheap like me, and it actually goes to a good cause, you can get a Christmas tree for ten bucks if you're willing to cut it down in the Ocala National Forest. How, did you offer this before? Because it seems like I would have remembered. No, I mean I I, I don't remember uh, talking about it. And uh, this is such a cool thing that the Ocala National Forest is doing. So for ten bucks, you can go out and cut your own Christmas tree down. They have special <clears throat> designated areas uh, in the Ocala National Forest to do this, and uh, you must purchase. You know, of course, you got to purchase a permit, and that's at recreation.gov. Uh, once you purchase that, it provides a map, and you can go out to those sites, and uh, it's really cool. You can go on an ex- expedition with your own family and cut down your Christmas tree. What a cool idea, and, and a lot of fun. Although Bob, I think there's a limit of like 40 feet. I think 40 foot, so you might. So that may not be able to fit in, you know. Wouldn't that be cool to, to have a, a tree that's like 35 or up to 40 feet? You bring that home? Oh, man. You think the wife's upset wow. at you now? That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Bob, you might be the only guy with enough ornaments for that tree. Yeah, could be. Yeah, he put uh, his yeah, jacket I just put my it. leather jacket. Yeah. Well, you beat uh, me to that. Great minds. <laughs> Uh, by the way, you got to do it right. Uh, cut the tree down, um, and the remaining stump can have no more than uh, sticking out six inches uh, from the ground. But that—that's uh, that's a win-win for everybody. Uh, now, real quick, a couple of things: hunting season. What's going on? Yeah, so of course, duck season opens here December 11th through January 30th. So not only can you go out and get your own Christmas tree, but you can uh, you know be the man of the house and go out and get the. Uh, you know, your roasted duck for Christmas Day. I mean, what, where else can you do this in America except for Marion County, right? You got to love it. Get a tree, get a duck. Uh, and, <laughs> get a tree, get a and duck. And you guys were going after litters. A lot of them are like people in pickup trucks. They might mean well, but that stuff flies out. Or they're on their way to the dump and they didn't secure it properly. And so where are you at with the litter task force? Yeah, so they met on the, on the 3rd, um, on December 6th, I'm sorry, and had their third meeting. Um, and so they're coming out, and their recommendations are basically due back to the board by uh, April 2022. Uh, so lots of great things going on. But one of the things I wanted to just remind folks is that our, you know, hey, this and our standard hours for our Mondays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays from seven to five at the recycling centers. Fridays from seven to seven, and Sundays nine to five. Um, just a couple updates for the holiday season. Those recycling centers, Christmas Eve, they close a little bit early at 3 p.m. Christmas Day, Saturday, all of our facilities will be closed. New Year's Eve, um, the Solid Waste Administration Office will be closed, and the landfill and recycling centers will close early at 3. And then on New Year's Day, of course, all the facilities will be closed. Um, and if you want more information about litter and how you can help or how your business can support um, our community and making it a better, cleaner, more beautiful place, you can go to MarionCountyFL.org backslash litter florida and uh we don't have a lot of time but the covid 19 the numbers continue to decline and that's great news in marion county absolutely sir it's been an incredible uh couple weeks and we've really seen a good downturn in covid numbers so that's a beautiful thing and a great gift for, for this christmas hey don't go to those people that already gave you one hundred sixty thousand dollars to feed people i do not want you to go to them and tell them i want like a portion 911 because that wouldn't be right you right. got it yeah, yeah, yeah no, feed no, the I poor, don't, do that. yeah don't yeah. feed me but if somebody else wants to step up 
Um, Carl, always a pleasure. Hey, seriously, uh, happy, safe holidays for you and your wonderful family, and uh, and take care. We'll talk to you soon. All right, y'all. Merry Christmas. Thank you, guys. Thanks to Carl Zalek, Marion County Commissioner. On the Bob Rose Rewind, happy Saturday. Coming up next, State Senator Keith Perry joins us and changing the rules on how county commissioners might be elected in Alachua County. We'll talk to him next on the Bob Rose Rewind, 97.3 The Sky. Frosty the Snowman was a jolly happy soul. It's the Bob Rose Rewind. Happy Saturday. Joining us now, State Senator Keith Perry with an issue that, well, it's a little complicated and it's rubbing some people the wrong way. It has to do with how Alachua County commissioners are elected. I'll let him explain right now on the Bob Rose Rewind 97.3 The Sky. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Good morning, Keith. How's it going? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Fantastic. Uh, One of the things we want to talk about today is uh, single member districts for Alachua County. Um, It's kind of a lot to take in, but you had a special legislative delegation meeting just the other day on on Tuesday at uh, Santa Fe College. So I guess for the layman, for the for the average person, try to explain to us the system that we have now in Alachua County and electing commissioners and the advantage of moving to a system that you and also State Representative Chuck Lemons have been talking about, a single-member district. Uh, Sure. In this particular bill, there's two parts to it. I believe one of these parts is going to be amended. I'm I'm almost sure to be amended to take it out. So the two parts now of the bill, one, right now of the five districts in the county, you're required to live in one of those districts to run for that seat. Uh, however, every single voter in Alachua County votes for all five Senate. So they're, they're um, really what they are is an at-large seat. We have five at-large, so everybody votes for them. It, the other component of the bill had to increase that number to seven uh, county commissioners. That was floated around. We talked about it. It was pretty much um, almost every single person that spoke either for the bill or against the bill uh, was one of the things that, that was not in favor of a seg- seven-member I'm pretty sure that will be amended and that will go back to a five-member. But this this is the issue right now. You can, the same group of people working together can elect all five county commissioners. So you could be be in La Crosse and live in La Crosse, but, you know, you don't really – have to care about the people in the cross <laughs> because there's they're such a, a small number of people that where, where do you go if you're going to win a county commission seat um you don't have to hang around lacrosse or those areas you have to go into downtown gainesville you have to go into newberry you have to go into town of tioga you have to go to those other areas where you have high populations and solicit the votes there so you really get um un you know, unrepresentation from a lot of these rural areas. Let me ask you how the actual districts are divided up. What's the criteria? Is it done via population so that most of the districts have a similar population or not? Yes, and uh, and we can get into a, a minute about the, a letter from the Board of County Commissioners and a lot of the, the misinformation, hyperbole they uh, spin out. But right, yeah, it's, it's the county commission draws the, the um, seats and it's done by population. Okay, so once you're in power there, and you do they change these districts very often? And if they do, what's the criteria? 
Well, sure, they they change them all the time. Every ten years, uh, you know, with population growth and change, those certain areas move. So that's what we're we're going through that process right now in the state. We're drawing new House uh, seats, Senate seats, and uh, new congressional seats. We're doing that right now. And so our area, which hasn't grown very much, and in, in North Florida, matter of fact, if you look at population in Central Florida, you see that we've had to expand geographically sizes up in rural areas to get more people uh and they've shrunk from a ge- uh, geographical size in smaller or in more concentrated urban areas so but yeah every t- 10 years the county it's it's up to the county uh to draw new maps all right so um what would be the advantage of having a, a single member district instead of kind of a, an at-large type scenario well, and if it's all right, I'm going to go through real quickly. There was a letter sent out by the Board of County Commissioners. I thought the, the it was over the top. And it, the unfortunate part about these things, they get so political so quick, and, and we really stirred a hornet's nest with these people for some reason. But um, they wrote a whole letter about uh, – I'll just go through this. And you can go online. I think this is post online. It's a public thing. You know, the very first thing they bring up is um, – they, they talk about the problem with this is that the, the commission, here's what it says. The commissioners are directly accountable to all the citizens. As a result, commissioners focus on the good of the county uh, as a whole and not consistently fighting for scraps to bring home to their districts. Can you imagine, again, like I said, who, who is your base? If I live in Hawthorne, I live in wherever, my base is still where the concentration of people live. And if they're the ones that elect me, why do I care about, and they call it scraps, and unfortunately that's all we have sometimes left over in this county, uh, but why would I have to take anything back to La Crosse, to Hawthorne, to any other area, when I don't get elected by those people? I get elected by the base, by the entire county, and the base of those people is in the populated area. So it, it they bring up a point, which I think is baseless on that. They bring up another point. Um, that uh, their fourth paragraph down, the motivation is clear. Representative Clemens is a thinly veiled attempt to create single-member gerrymandered county commission districts. Well, they're the ones who draw the districts now, and they would continue to draw the districts uh, if this were passed. So, uh, again, they, they, they bring up points that are not relevant to the bill. What we should do is debate the bill. What, what are the merits of the bill? And, and if they have opposition to the bill, they should bring that up, but not these things. Um they, um, let, they let, also, let, uh, let, let, let me jump in and give you the non-political part of it, because I can, you know, you have to represent a lot of people. I just tell it like it is. A good old boy system has been in play in Alachua County for a very long time. It is the same group of people that get elected time and time again. Sometimes they go to city commission, county commission. Uh, they're all friends. They're, they, for the most part, they all work in unison. They all share the same phone trees and get the same people to come out and vote and all that. So basically what you're trying to do is sort of break up that good old boy group or good old hippie group, or however you want to label it, and and try to get people uh, represented in a, I don't know, more balanced way in the county? If, if, so how do you feel about that statement? Absolutely. I mean, that that's the crust of this whole issue, is who controls or who dominates uh, uh, the political landscape? Um, I put it in this context. I represent Alachua County, Putnam County, Marion County. Uh, and only those people who live in that district, I have to live in the district, and only those people can vote for it. If we had what the county has now, if we had uh, everybody could vote for me, if, if I was an at-large senator, I could care, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be hanging around Alachua County or Marion County. I'd go down to Orlando, and I'd go to Miami. That's where I would be campaigning. 
Um, and so what we do is you put concentrations of power in certain areas, and it's not well representative of the people who live in, in the entire county. So I, I think it's conceptually this is about a simple bill. Um, as a matter of fact, let me bring up another uh, point they made. Uh, this is a this is a thing uh, about six paragraphs to accomplish this political assault. Representative Clemens' efforts requires a myriad of misdirection and political deception. It's a dangerous attempt to interfere in the governance. This is a two-page bill. It simply says, and if we remove, and we'll see how that works through the amendment process, if we remove the seven-member, this is as simple a bill as you can get. Do you live in the district and you have to can only vote in that district? The city commissioners do this now. Now, they do have some at-large seats. Um, it was kind of ironic. Commissioner Long, Rodney Long, spoke that he was in favor of making the city single-member districts because uh, the black community wasn't well represented back in the 70s or whenever he pushed it. But now, I guess because he thinks it's going to um, help conservatives, he's against it. It's, it's, it's pretty baffling how he can talk about one thing, how he supported the city, but now he doesn't support the county. Um, and he, he used the same argument. But, um, you know, all the things they bring up are, are not – you know, bring up all right, let me let me about. let me throw one more thing out there, and then we're going to be short on time. But it's the the other elephant that's not in the room, and that is when I say elephant, I mean Republican. So there are more Democrat voters in the county than there are Republicans. There's no doubt about that. However, if the Republicans actually showed up in force, they could have a huge impact on the future of the county and the county commissioners that get elected. Is that not true? Uh, well, sure, that's true, um, but that has nothing to do with this bill. I mean, this bill is simply: if you live in one area, can you vote for that person in, that lives in that area to represent you? Well, they, that, they tried to, it. and they tried to say, "Oh, I thought uh, those guys were all about home rule," but here they're trying to take it away. Which, no, I disagree with that. You are for home rule. What could be more home rule than a county commissioner that actually is going to be held accountable by the constituents who voted for him that live within that district? Am I right? A hundred percent. Okay. Again, they, they use misdirection. They, they make all these assumptions and hyperbole. Uh, that's not correct. You can't have more home rule, better home rule than this, this what bill. They again try to say that Tallahassee is taking over. Tallahassee is directing. No, all we're doing in Tallahassee, and we're not in Tallahassee. I live in Gainesville. I've lived in Gainesville longer than almost anybody else uh, that, that I deal with. Uh, this is my home. But this is just giving people who live here the opportunity on a on – a, you know, a home rule basis to do this. So this is not a Tallahassee takeover. This is not a, what do they call it? A, uh, a whatever they use, the, the hyperbole they use, but it's, it's real simple. And I think it's, and we're giving you the voters of the Latchford County, the opportunity to debate it, discuss it and vote on it. And that's, that's what it's going to be. And that's what you're pushing for to get that on the ballot. So the voters themselves can decide what they think is the direction in which to go. Right. Not Chuck Clemens, not Keith Perry. The voters will decide. Sounds reasonable. I don't know why they fight so hard other than they don't want to give up any of the power that they've amassed through the decades. And I've seen it happen myself, even though I haven't lived here as long as you have. I kind of caught up a little bit to some of that stuff. And uh, State Senator Keith Perry, we always appreciate your time. Absolutely. We always appreciate hearing from State Senator Keith Perry on the Bob Rose Rewind. I hope you have a happy Saturday, but wait. Don't go yet. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Congressman Mike Waltz about Ukraine, Russia, Putin, and Biden on the Bob Rose Rewind, 97.3 The Sky.
Happy Saturday and welcome. It's the Bob Rose Rewind and our final guest, Congressman Mike Waltz. He has the inside track. I'm going to ask him about Putin, Biden, the Ukraine. What in the world is going on? Let's get to it right now on the Bob Rose Rewind 97.3 The Sky. Congressman, thanks for joining us. Good morning. How you doing? Hey, good to be with you. I know you're on top of the issues. Let's jump into it. Uh, sure. You had this uh, video call of Vladimir Putin, uh, President Joe Biden. Um, what, uh, what, if anything, can you tell us took place there? Because I don't think they've made much of it public. Yeah, just a few uh, things there to consider. One, this is you know all about gas uh, and energy in many ways. It should surprise no one. Uh, that all of this is happening, this massive Russian military buildup and possibly the invasion of Ukraine, which would be the largest since World War II, in the wake of Afghanistan with the you know, abandonment of our allies there, but also in the wake of uh, Biden lifting sanctions on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, uh, which will essentially, uh, there, there's two main pipelines, one and two. One goes through Ukraine to Eastern Europe. Russia can now shut that one off in the middle of winter, and hold Germany hostage uh, also in the middle of winter by providing it directly to them. That's why it was so uh, uh, devastating. And what's what's frustrating uh, about the Biden administration is they're not taking a tough stance now. Uh, rather, they're listing things they'll do after Russia invades um, as, and hoping that that deters Putin. But bottom line, uh, I'm incredibly concerned he's going to do this. Uh, because he can get away with it. And why does that matter to, you know, everyday Americans, Floridians? Well, this is, you know, it's first it was Afghanistan. Uh, now it's going to be Ukraine. Then it could be other parts of Europe. Uh, and Iran is watching. China's watching. North Korea's watching. Uh, and this is what happens in the absence of American leadership. And when you do not have, I mean, this is literally, to quote Ronald Reagan, you have peace through strength. And when you don't have strength, this is what you get. Yeah. And Sun Tzu, the art of war to, uh, you know, avoid war, you have to appear twice as strong as your enemy. Clearly, uh, President Joe Biden's not doing that. My understanding is Nord Stream 2 is not quite online yet. Have we even attempted to leverage that? Have we reached out to Germany and and tried to maybe work with them to leverage against Putin? Uh, hey, you move and uh, this thing's not going to go online. Uh, my understanding is that that's happened. Uh, the, the pipeline is complete. All it requires is some final certifications for um, for the Germans to to turn on the gas, uh, literally. So, yeah, I don't see the Germans walking away from it uh, at this point, uh, which is uh, yeah, which is frankly selfish and uh, and and really unfortunate because it's going to make them completely dependent. The Trump administration uh, had plans in place to supply uh, Germany, Poland, and others with liquefied natural gas, with American gas, which, by the way, you think Biden would be on board with because it's far cleaner from an environmental standpoint than Russian gas. It would have been a double win. Uh, But we all know the war on American energy that's coming out of this White House and shutting down wells, shutting down pipelines, American pipelines. And then now we're going to have Europe dependent on a Russian pipeline. It's just insane. If if Putin does move on uh, Ukraine... And what's his ultimate goal, I guess, to control that uh, territory completely and try to pull it back in like the old Soviet Union? 
Yeah, that's a little bit unclear. I mean, it, it is increasingly clear something is going to happen. The question is not if, I don't think at this point, it's just when and how far does he go. Uh, and if you, is, it, is it just the Donbass region, you know, the, the most eastern part that's been in contention now since 2014? Uh, is, it, is it, you know, all of the kind of more Russian-leaning parts, or is it the whole thing? Uh, that part, uh, his ultimate uh, intentions are unclear. Let's measure this next one in hours. So after Putin invades Ukraine, how many hours before China goes into Taiwan? Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I think there's a couple of things that will hold China at bay, at least for now. Uh, one is the um, what I call the Genocide Olympics, the Beijing Olympics. That will be in February. And then there's an important uh, meeting of the Chinese Communist Party this summer. And that will essentially, uh, if that goes as the President Xi of China plans it, he'll be elected dictator for life. So I think he'll get those two things under his belt. Look, dictators love the Olympics. That's why I've called for a full boycott. Uh, And it's worth remembering that Putin invaded the Ukraine last time in 2014, just two months after the Sochi Olympics. They love the international platform. The entire world is there, turning a blind eye to their atrocities. Uh, and uh, it, it's, a, it's a global propaganda uh, platform uh, as well. We all know what Germany did after 1936. Uh, and that's why I want, uh, you know, we've been demanding that the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, move the games out of Beijing and not put our athletes in this position of just turning a blind eye to an ongoing genocide or being able to compete. Uh, And and real quickly, too, the uh, WTA took very strong action in trying to protect uh, a Chinese tennis player that came forward and said, uh, you know, it was one of the high-level members of the Chinese Communist government that uh, sexually assaulted or molested her in some way, and then she sort of disappeared kind of to some extent. Um, We should give huge uh, kudos to the WTA. They took strong and decisive action. Why don't more American entities and or companies follow suit with that kind of thing? Yeah, this would, this would be as though, like, a, a U.S. tennis star, say Serena Williams or Chris Everett, you know, accused a vice president of the United States of years of sexual abuse. And not only was it not investigated, completely dismissed and censored, uh, then that tennis star disappeared. That's what's happened, and it's only reappeared on some clearly coerced um, uh, videos. But, but, you know, at the end of the day, you're right. I just had a call yesterday with... Steve Simon of the WTA to commend him, the Women's Tennis Association, for taking a stand, calling it out, willing to walk away from all of their revenue, cancel their tournament. Uh, But to answer your question, why won't the NBA uh, or any other major, Disney or any other major organization? Because Nike as well, that's right, um, uh, where their shoes are literally made with slave labor. They wanted to now call out Black Lives Matter and social justice here in the United States but then literally are using slave-picked cotton from the Uyghurs in western China uh, and ignore that. And the answer is because they're drunk on Chinese money. Uh, and, it, and the sad thing about their military buildup is it's being financed with our dollars uh, because these companies are so obsessed with their balance sheet, they're willing to completely compromise their values, principles, and U.S. national security. And uh, I'm tired of it, and we're calling it out. Well, I'm glad there's people like you calling it out, and uh, we once again say, please keep fighting the good fight on our, our behalf. Absolutely. Absolutely. Our country's worth fighting for. we Will do.
Really appreciate talking to Congressman Mike Waltz and all of my guests, State Senator Keith Perry, Marion County Commissioner Carl Zalek, and Peter Pantuso, President and CEO of the American Bus Association. They round out my guests on the Bob Rose Rewind. Thank you for tuning in. I invite you to tune in Monday morning starting at 6 a.m. for the Bob Rose Show, along with Greg Cassidy, right here on 97.3 The Sky. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.